Welcome to the Warning Track Power Hour. I'm Andrew Scaff. He's Mike Lerman. Today we're going to kick off our big NFL 2023 season preview with the quarterbacks of the NFC uh, later in the show. Um, and we'll talk some more about uh, the NFL preseason and getting ready for the uh, the start of the year. Uh, but we'll lead off today's show uh, in our kind of standard place, I guess, anyway, for right now, this time of year, uh, with the Kansas City Royals. Uh, kind of a mixed week. They've played a little better, seemingly. I think they went two and four since we spoke last. Yeah, they had an unusual Sunday off day, yeah. which has made the week a little strange. But yeah, yeah. they they for for the way the Royals have been playing this year, two and four uh, is actually an improvement their... over their season. Yeah, their season average right now, the winning percentage is three twenty two, and season and two and four would be three thirty three. So they would be above average with a two and four week, but. Um, they lost tonight, close game, extra, extra innings. They had a good comeback, but then they blew it in the ex- in extras. Uh, or maybe you could say they blew it on the base paths in the ninth, ninth inning when uh, Blanco was thrown out at third on Salvi's uh, game-tying hit in the bottom of the ninth. But uh, I guess Witt has been uh, solid still. He's, he's I think, um, hit a grand slam. Yep. Uh, this evening, an inside the park, kind of iffy inside the park home run. I I I, I saw that he it's ran kind of, little, kind of a little league type of play, but yeah, it was very fast. Yeah. He ran the bases in fourteen point four seconds, which was the fourth fastest time since they've been measuring it in the last ten years. Yeah, I also saw he was the first person since Juan Pierre in two thousand five to have two infield hits and an inside the park home run in the same game. I hadn't seen that. That's a pretty interesting. Do remember, you remember Juan Pierre? Juan Pierre, of course. For the uh, Florida, uh, Miami, Miami, now Miami Marlins. So. Then Florida, now Miami Marlins. Yeah. I, did he play for any other? I think he did end up going somewhere else. For part uh, he, of his career, but... he played his best date game. So he I, he played, he played for the Rockies originally. Mm. He was sixth in the rookie of the year. And then Three seasons in Col- three seasons Colorado, only three seasons in Florida. Then he played for the Cubs in two thousand six. Oh, yeah, Dodgers for three years, two thousand seven, two thousand nine. White Sox, twenty ten and eleven. Phillies, twenty twelve. Back to Miami to end his career in twenty thirteen. Not so bad. Played four four seasons in Miami slash Florida, so it was more than any other place. 599 total games I see so 173 games more than any other city but um I think he had his best years in Miami um fast guy uh and uh but and good good defender yeah haven't haven't thought about him for a while no yeah um but yeah Bobby Witt Jr playing well and Mike Michael Garcia has really solidified his, I think, spot as the uh, leadoff hitter now. I think he's got a 17 game hitting streak after today now. So that's not, that's not so bad. So it seems like you know a couple of guys have sort of taken spots. Like Bobby Witt seems to be the number two hitter pretty solidly now. Michael Garcia seems to be the number one 
spot in the lineup, at least anyway. And they're both only 23 yeah. years old. So that's, and I think traditionally we think of a major league player as kind of peaking around age 27. So mm. they're still typically for it seeming seemingly for Royals players. Some of them don't even make it to the majors until <laughs> 27, 28 years old, like uh, Freddie Fermin has. It's true. Uh, He's been made his debut at 28, I guess, right? Or made his true rookie season now at age 28, I believe. Yeah, he's been solid uh, as the the catcher when uh, Sal plays in the field or DH. Yeah, and Sal's been kind of banged up, so he's been having to DH more and miss a few games here and there. But, yeah, but uh, he's filled in well behind the plate. And, yeah, it just just seems like the – yeah, some of the – the bats have fallen into slots now that they're not messing with the lineup quite so much. The bullpen is still an absolute mess and the trades of uh, Barlow and, and uh, uh, Chapman have not helped anything. Um, doesn't seem like anyone's really claimed the closer role. It seemed like Carlos Hernandez kind of did. And then they moved him back out of that without any warning. And then now he's been terrible the last few appearances. So I don't know. I'm not sure about the bullpen. I think it's mostly usage, though. That's the problem and not the players themselves. But old friend recently traded old friend (laughs) Lopez. Mike, what do you think about his offensive output in his two-game stretch? Seven hits, eight RBIs, five runs scored? Five runs scored, home run. And home run, yes. He was he he was phenomenal those two games. Was yes, I think earlier today or yesterday he was over four. So he's he's today, cooled yeah. down. He's he's only he's that he's only batting five hundred now for the yes. Braves in three games. So I think we will see probably somewhere closer to his last game box score than his first two. But if the I don't know the Braves are the Braves are pretty good. They have a lot of good players and maybe uh, it's contagious. Yeah. Um. But just because it needs to be said, 2020, 2022 and 2023 seasons combined for Nicky Lopez, 33 RBIs for Kansas City, eight in two games for Atlanta. <laughs> Was that yeah. disappointing? It's, yes, disappointing. As I mean, a Royals fan, at least, anyway. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, we had uh, Jorge Soler leave and become a... Uh, an all-star series hero for uh the uh Braves and then also become an all-star this year for the Marlins. So he's been but he was really good that one year for the Royals, so we can't yeah. really do much about his 2019 season when he had 48 home runs. Um but uh, yeah, I don't I I just back to the Royals, it's been quite a bit of fun in the last few weeks just to watch the younger guys finally play and kind of see what the team has going into next year. It seems like probably the Royals will bring in a bunch of old veterans that aren't any good to replace some of them and, and kind um, of start over again. Set them back again. Yeah. Yeah. So it looks but, like they have, what, two more games against Seattle in the weekend series at the Cubs. What do you think their chances are here Going into next week's, oh, the next week they play um at Oakland, so a chance to either add ground 
Yeah, they could they, they could Belgium, Oakland, or allowing Oakland to catch back up. What do you think is going to happen there? Well, they're five. I think they're five and a half games above Oakland right now. So even if they got swept by Oakland, they'd still be only the second worst team in um, in the, in the American League. They yeah, still... there's quite a distance between second to worst and third to worst. Though. Yeah, they have nine. I think they're they're nine and a half behind the White Sox. Yeah. It still says that the Royals' playoff odds are less than 0.1%, so they aren't officially zero yet. They're 39-82, so they can't finish better than 80-82 and 82 this year, right. so they, they cannot finish with a winning record or even a, a 500 record. But, um, yeah, they'd have to really go on a tear even just to avoid 100 losses at this point. Yeah. But, yeah. About 40 games left. 41 games left. Um, yeah. Yes. 41 to go. Do you think that do you think they could finish above 500 in the final 41 games? 21 and 20. 21 and 20. That would mean they were be 60 and 102 on the year. That would be a good result at this point. They'd have to be 23 and 8, well, 24 and 17 to avoid, I guess, lose, losing 100. Yes. So, do you, do you think they have the 24 circled, um, like major league style? Wow. Two games, three games in a row, that's a winning streak. Yeah, that, that kind of, uh, uh, yeah. Dr. Brown, I mean, uh, um, manager, what was it? Something Brown. Lou Brown. Lou Brown. Lou Brown, yes. Yeah, the manager. Doc Brown, of course, was his uh Back to the future. future. But um but yeah, I think 24 and 17. That's a but they do play the A's. Yes. The Cubs, well, they're a little over five hundred, but who knows? They aren't a juggernaut. The uh down the stretch, they probably have most well, they have the um the three game series with Pittsburgh the end of August. Okay. You get the White Sox for a couple six games against the White Sox. Yeah, Toronto, Houston though, Cleveland, yeah, Houston. Houston. Some... That's six games against Houston. That's not good. Yeah. Three against uh, Yeah, Boston, three against Toronto, three against uh uh the Yankees to end the year. That's gonna be not so great. Yeah. I don't think they're gonna get there, Mike. I don't know. Probably not, but I, I think maybe they could avoid 110 losses. Like it seemed like they were definitely going to get. But, but maybe maybe they'll embrace the um, spoiler mentality and keep somebody out of the playoffs by winning a series just to be spiteful. What do you think about that? Well, they could maybe Boston, maybe the Yankees. Um, or the Boston and the Yankees playoff odds are getting shorter, so maybe the Blue Jays. They play the Blue Jays, so maybe they could. Yeah. Them. Um, they could spoil Cleveland. Yep. Their attempt to uh, get up past the Twins. Topple the Twins. Yes. Yeah. I may the Mariners. I guess right now have some playoff odds. So if the Royals continue to play well against them, that could be sort of a spoiler. But it's a little early, I think, to be a spoiler for the Mariners since it's. Yeah. So we're still we're only three fourths of the way through the season right now. So they do have uh yeah, two more games in this series with Seattle. They do play then they play a three game set at Seattle. Okay, that could be a spoiling. So they've got uh, five more games with Seattle before 
um, before even the end of August. No. Yeah. So but, well, uh, maybe that's enough about the Royals for now. And we'll check. I think so too. Next week. We'll uh, talk about them next week. Yeah. We, we did have some NFL action last week. And we had the, we had the first full week of preseason football. The Chiefs, actual preseason football. The actual preseason football. We didn't have the week zero game of the uh, Hall of Fame game, but we had every all 32 teams in action. We talked about, uh, do you want to talk about the Chiefs or do you want to talk about our, our betting strategies and how well that worked? Uh, I, think, I think, well, you just said we had all 32 teams playing. So I think we should just do the betting thing. Right? All 32 teams playing. There were 16 the blanket bet that we talked about. Yeah. Yeah. We said we the, the over unders we thought were very low. I think none of the games were even as high as 40 points uh, for right. the over under. I think 38 and a half might have been the highest even or something. 38 and a half, 39, yeah, somewhere in there. But we, we decided we're, if we did a blanket over $100 on each of the games, we would have turned in, we would have gotten 10 wins out of those 16 games and one uh, push and five losses. So we would have been plus $500 uh, for that week. We would have, I mean, bet 1600, we would have had 2100 in our pocket is minus the fees uh but we would have been at quite a bit of plus money yeah about about a 30 percent profit on you know one day essentially right i mean well i guess it's a three-day three-day weekend of football well there might be a thursday night game too but uh essentially yeah we we were we would have been uh across the board winners uh overall and then my particular chief's bets uh turned out to be very prescient, uh, the Chiefs when we were to, when we air when we were at least uh, recording, the Chiefs were three point underdogs at New Orleans. I liked uh, New Orleans to win, but I didn't think necessarily they would cover. So I thought maybe the Chiefs should be the money line bet, and we also went with the over on that one. And they went over. Uh, I think it was a twenty eight twenty six win that the that the uh, Saints eked out with the Chris Aladukun. Uh, interception and then game-ending field goal uh, to win. So the Chiefs were up 26-25. Uh, they lost 28-26. to 26. So 54 points. I think the over-under was 37 and a half or something like that. So they went way over early. Uh, Chiefs uh, covered the spread. Saints' money line came through. So we would have been three for three there. So maybe maybe betting in the regular season is our problem, Dr. Scaff. We should be betting preseason. Were were you worried that the Saints were going to go for the touchdown though, not the field goal, to win, but go for the touchdown to cover the spread? <laughs> were, were you concerned? Were you sweating bullets? I wasn't. That game. I wasn't that concerned. I wasn't. I was a little bit upset that the Chiefs threw that interception, but then I remembered my bet uh, that I, my theoretical bet because we didn't actually bet any money, so I wasn't right. really that concerned. But it seemed like the Saints. Uh, were, at least once the backups got in, the Saints weren't really able to do much offensively. Uh, and the Chiefs' backups played better than the Saints' backups. Unfortunately, the Chiefs' starters didn't play as well as the Saints' yeah. starters, which is... On either side of the ball, I guess, right? Maybe a little bit trouble- worrisome. I thought, well, the defense without Chris Jones was... That's a great... Derek Carr seemed to carve them up in the first drive, and then um, the other starters that kind of were left in it scored another touchdown against the Chiefs. And but then and then the Mahomes led Chiefs didn't even make it past midfield mm-hmm. on their drive. But I think some of that was dumb play calling. I I, I don't I don't like the fourth down Blake Bell 
quarterback sneaks. Uh, I think that that was maybe yeah. good a few years ago, but now I think just just put the ball in Mahomes' hands and let him throw if you don't think he can sneak. Um, but do you, do you um, not like seeing him uh, scramble on that one play though. Anyway, was that was that worrisome? I like the scramble. I would. I, I guess I wish he had gotten a better spot because I think he got a bad spot on that one. But he slid. He avoided contact. I think you know you have to get him out moving and doing things like that. Yeah. I, I guess I just wish Chiefs. Partly, I think the Chiefs don't want to show anybody anything in the preseason, even more than other teams don't want to show anybody anything. So they don't really care about winning or losing, even or even playing well in some cases. I think the backups like to play well, but I don't think the starters really care. Uh, yeah. Unlike perhaps uh, the Baltimore Ravens, did you see that uh, they won their twenty fifth uh, preseason game in a row? Is that right? I didn't, I didn't know that at all. Yeah, that seems crazy. A twenty-four, excuse me. They won their twenty-fourth preseason game in a row. They defeated the Eagles twenty to nineteen. So they really go for it in preseason, huh? They have won twenty-four straight games. Yeah, that's basically six years in a row that they would have won all of their preseason matchups oh and this was a close game too it was 2019 yeah they won 24 consecutive they are the kings of the preseason oh and and uh philly went for a two-point conversion after an interception <laughs> return that failed <laughs> that would have broken the streak but uh they were unsuccessful yeah they broke a preseason winning streak uh, we were, they were tied with Vince Lombardi's Green Bay Packers at a 23-game preseason winning streak. <laughs> Although those Packers also lost a preseason game to a college all-star team. So the Packers technically didn't win 23 in a row. They won 23 in a row against NFL opponents, but uh-huh. not against all opponents. Uh-huh. So hmm. that's those. That's the Ravens. I, do we have any other pre... I guess we have still Chris Jones holding out. Yeah, well, what did you think about the um, quarterback battle for the uh, number two, number three spots um, for the Chiefs? How would, What did you think of their performances, uh, Shane Bruchel and Blade Gabbert? Well, I didn't think Gabbert did terribly, but it wasn't – he didn't play as well. Possibly, right? He played fine. I think Bouchel played better, though. He had an early interception, but then mm. had some really good uh, kind of improvisational scrambles. Yeah. Uh, Especially one on one of the touchdowns that he threw that Mahomes was really excited about. So maybe yeah. could possibly like offer that made that catch. I think was it. Who 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 was it? I think Crawford. I think was his name. Oh, it could have been Crawford. Yeah, yeah. I, I I hadn't heard of Crawford until I saw that. Yeah, I wasn't sure who he like was. Like a ninth maybe receiver or something right now. Uh, Justin Ross had a touchdown catch. Nico mm. Remigio looked pretty good. Uh, Richie James looked pretty good. Um, so there's a lot of some good bright spots. Uh, unfortunately, it seems like Jody Fortson has been uh, ruled out for the entire season because of an injury in practice. A lot of it, uh, Chiefs have uh, been injured in, in practice the last couple of days. So uh, we'll, we'll keep an eye on that. Injuries in training camp are always, um, you know, happen for every team. But Right. Yeah, a couple of receivers went down, I guess, today. Um yeah, I guess what uh, Drew Tranquil had a pretty good game defensively too, with sack and and uh, 
quite a few tackles uh, in and around the line, right? Yeah, I think Tranquil is a good pickup. And I think the Royal, I think the Chiefs linebackers look really good. I think the secondary, the young secondary looks really good, really good with uh, Hylasi. Uh, highly, not highly Selassie, but Hylasi. Yes. Khaled Hylasi and uh, Echo Boydo would both look good as undrafted free agent quarterback cornerbacks um, in coverage. Uh, Hylasi got an interception, I believe. That was pretty good. So, like, it, yeah. so it was, like, the Chiefs nice sideline grab. Yeah, that was in the good. back end is looking really good. Up front, maybe not so much right now. But if Jones gets back, maybe that'll, you know, that'll change. Yeah, and it's hard to say the Chiefs don't really care in preseason. So it's yeah. At some point, yeah. How much, like, how much in fines do you think uh, Chris Jones? cares about like is it is it like you think he's got like a dollar amount in mind that he's willing to go to to hold out before he uh i think he's willing he's getting close to like two million in fines i think i think he's willing just to go up until the first game of the regular season and then he'll play yeah he's probably thinking well if i don't get the contract i still have a possibility of injury in preseason i don't want that yeah i'll just sit out basically as much of the preseason as I can to be at least okay for the first game. And then if I don't get a contract with the Chiefs this year, I'll be a free agent next year, or maybe I can get another, maybe we can re- renegotiate as time goes on. But Yeah. That seems like, I mean, it's an unimaginable amount of money for like you or I, I think, but uh, to just like, you know, let go of nearly $2 million, right? <laughs> Yeah. Like, eh, that's okay. That's not that much. No. <laughs> yeah, I guess we get some other news, like some of the free agent running backs have been Ezekiel Elliott signed with the Patriots, I believe, and Dalvin yeah. Cook Jets. Um does that change uh prospects for either of those teams in your mind? I don't I don't think so. Uh, probably not. No. <laughs> Seems like the Jets are loading up on offense, but yeah, but there's still only—I mean, they've got a lot of weapons, but they still only have one ball. I'm pretty sure is the, uh, you know, yeah. the hold up here, right? And, I, and it's hard to say if those weapons are any better than what Rodgers had, and in Green Bay, yeah, he didn't do so well because he had not terribly creative offensive gurus around him in. Nathan Nathaniel Hackett, <laughs> yes, uh, who has followed him uh, to yeah. the Jets, and Matt Lafleur also, who was not a terribly innovative, like he was seen as an offensive guy, but like he was the Titans' offensive coordinator or something. You know, like it's like Matt, you know, so like you know, they they didn't you know carve it up on you know offense. I think defense is still probably their strong suit, but as we talked about, defense is a little bit harder to repeat. Uh, consistently because I think the margins of error are pretty uh, margins for error are pretty are pretty small but um, I still think of the Jets as probably being the third best team in that division you know at least if uh, Tua stays relatively healthy the the Jets did beat up on Carolina 27 to nothing in their first full actual preseason game does that change your opinion on the Jets at all no, I think twenty-seven to nothing shutout. Yeah, 
No, it means nothing at all, right? I don't think it means much. I think, I think I think it means the Panthers are pretty bad, and I don't think yeah. any of us thought that they were uh, any good. But I think, um, and it was there. Um, Bryce Young played looks like maybe one series, and Rogers didn't play at all. So it was a Zach Wilson. Yeah, didn't play at all. Zach Wilson and Tim Boyle got all the passing. It was Matt Corral yeah. and Bryce Young were the. So they're one at one and three um quarterbacks on their depth chart played, but not but one not very much. So yeah. Yeah. Does that mean anything know. at all then? Yeah, I don't know how much that tells us at all. Yeah. I don't know. I think that I think we just know that Carolina's probably not gonna be very good. Yeah. I I have questions about Bryce Young. We'll talk about the the quarterback situation soon. Yeah, uh, I have uh, I have actually new questions about Bryce Young since I did a little research on Bryce Young's uh, background, as we'll, we'll we'll talk about when we get to the NFC South uh, division. But yeah, have any other any other comments on preseason or the Chiefs before we move on to our quarterback preview? So what what um the so the Chiefs play this Sunday again? Yeah, we can talk about preseason next week. They play this Sunday, I believe. Saturday night. Seven Saturday night, Saturday night Arizona. against Arizona. The Chiefs are favored by, I believe, seven and a half. If you want to bet preseason football. Yes, and we do, right? Yeah, and I think the over... We did well last week, so what are we doing this week? Same over thing. under is 37 and a half. I think I would go... And this way, I would kind of go the same. And this I would go the Chiefs win, but the... Uh, Cardinals cover and over. If I, yeah. did the, if I did the trifecta, the money line would be the Cardinal. I mean, with the Chiefs, money line for the Chiefs, the spread Cardinals and the over. And the the overs were raised just ever so slightly this week. After last week, we we proved that the overs were going to. Uh, and I said, so if we, I, I just, I just stick with over again and see what happens. And we Blank, can, uh, for the Chiefs game or the blanket over again. Blanket over. I want to stick with the blanket over again. Yeah. I think the highest over that I saw was 41 this week. So that's 41. pretty low. Bill Steelers, 41, looks like. Although that seems like a game that might be under because I don't think the Bills and Steelers score that many points, at least not without um, Josh Allen helping you out. Yeah. But I still think Seahawks is over, is a 40 and a half. Chiefs, uh, Cardinals is 40. Oh, it was forty. It was thirty-seven and a half last time I saw. So that's that's yeah, that's, that's more. That's more than two. Right? and a half. So there's looks like there's like four games that are at forty. Um, almost everything else is. Uh, it looks like the lowest over under is uh, thirty-seven. Okay. Yeah, that's the blanket. Stick with blanket over though. Blanket over. See what happens. Oh, yeah. And at least this is data for uh, future. But it looks like the average over under is probably about three points higher. First week two, then week one of the preseason, possibly. It's somewhere in that area. But we have probably more starters playing in week two than in week one, so we think right. that there's more capability of scoring because a lot of those backups, they're playing as backup defenses, but their backup offenses aren't as good. So sometimes yeah. the the, the well, defense probably backups, less of the third, fourth string guys, yeah, late then too, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that's 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 our that's our strategy. Um we'll see how we'll, we'll see how it works next uh next time and see if we should 
keep going, or we could still use that blanket strategy, and then we could at least say, well, if it was completely the opposite, we would know to use the other, uh, right. or to look at each game individually. But yeah, because once you start picking individual games, then you're you're throwing a uh, a lot more uh, variability into your picks, right? So yeah. it's uh, it seems like the blanket over strategy is probably good at this case in this scenario because we really don't know what anybody's going to do in the preseason mm -hmm. you could have a team like carolina scoring zero points doesn't contribute anything to the uh over under at all right yeah. so, but uh you don't expect teams to score zero points in a preseason game that's that seems very odd yeah you don't get shut out in the preseason usually um it's fairly rare to get shut out in a regular season game but it seems like it'd be really bizarre to be shut out in a preseason game because there'd just be some kind of fluky play that would get some kind of Patriots scored nine. Those were the two teams that scored. Oh, the 49ers only scored seven. They got blown up by the Raiders in preseason. Again, knowing what preseason does, you know, do you think the Raiders are, are a team that's going to be able to blow up the 49ers, an NFC contender? Yeah, Atlanta, Miami was 19 3 was the final in that game, too. So that's a pretty low scoring. But the Raiders pushed the 40 and the 49ers pushed it over because so it was a 41 because the Raiders scored a lot of points. Yeah. And some of those teams scored quite a few points in the second half as well. Yeah. Yeah. So do you think that's more of like um second string offenses humming or second string third string defenses being not so good? Well, I think a lot of the cases third string offenses and fourth string offenses playing against third and fourth string defenses. Yeah. So it's hard to say, but I think first stringers will play more in week two and so probably affect things a little bit more i don't it's hard to say but... for, the, for the raiders have you heard of either of the quarterbacks that played in the game aiden o'connell chase garbers aiden o'connell uh sounds more it was, he was i remember him he was a draft pick from purdue but i don't know chase Garbers from anyone no. who went to Cal, I guess. Um, I probably undrafted free agent, but we'll we will we have I would have known who he was had we done the AFC quarterback preview this week rather than the <laughs> NFC quarterback preview this week. So I was focusing more of my attention on yes. the NFC, the National Football Conference. We'll learn about chase garbers and aiden o'connell next week next week so you have to yeah you'll have to sit tight until next week for the, the las vegas raiders fans uh to learn about our analysis of their quarterbacks but we will uh i guess we can go ahead and get started with sure 